and welcome back to Dads on the Air, coming to you around Australia on the Community Radio Network. In this program, we bring you informing and entertaining conversations with a wide range of interesting people on topics of fatherhood, family and parenting, men's and boys' issues. Hi, I'm Bill Cable. Our guests today are Richard Aston and Ruth Kerr. Richard is the founding trustee and chief executive, and Ruth Kerr is the media coordinator of Big Buddy and authors of the new book, Our Boys, Raising Strong, Happy Sons from Boyhood to Manhood. Now, the Big Buddy team knows boys. They've been working with them for 13 years, matching fatherless boys with male mentors and running a highly successful program to help boys grow and develop into fine young men. Richard and his wife Ruth have distilled the wisdom they've gained from working with hundreds of big buddy boys and men as well as from parenting their own children and grandchildren. So Richard and Ruth, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having us, Bill. So uh, do you have a philosophy at Big Buddy? The main philosophy at Big Buddy is that boys need adult men in their life to grow up to be wholehearted men themselves. Uh, They can't have their dad, which is what we cover, they need some bloke in their life. So, and the mentors we have, um, their fathers, their father figures. So we think that boys need fathering engagement with adult men to, to figure out how to become a man themselves. That's the main philosophy behind it. We talk about a field of fathering and believe that our mentors fall within that. Yeah. And uh, so an ideal world, a, grow, a boy grows up and might lose his dad, but there's an uncle, a grandfather... The guy next door, they're all part of those, the field of fathering that helps boys sort of figure out how to be a man. But the boys we work with, most of them had nobody, they didn't have a male teacher at school, so that's why we exist as program. And over the 13 years, have you seen the good results that flow from this mentoring program? I've uh, seen fantastic results. Um, we've been around long enough to see what happens when these boys grow up to be men, so there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, they'll uh, highly unlikely to end up in the justice system or imprisonment and all the rest of it, which is fatherless boys are at risk of that. And they end up sort of with a really good authentic sense of self, which is the main thing, you know, big question, who am I? They're well engaged with that and they're not so caught up in trying to be a man from all the macho images that the marketing people are pumping out to kids these days. They've got a strong internal sense of maleness and you can see it in these boys. These, these boys are now in their 20s, some of the early ones, and wonderful to see. They've got a good, solid sense of who they are. A critical part of this must be finding the right mentors. And I, I know from your book that you have some really stringent testing. Why do you think these men come forward to be vol- uh, volunteering as mentors? They come for a lot of reasons. Some of them have children of their own uh, who've grown up and they just figure that they've got a bit more fathering in them um, because it's such an innate thing to want to do. And others are maybe younger who haven't had children, but maybe their partner thinks, oh, yeah, I'd like to know what kind of father he's been. Um, And they need a bit of experience. And so we get a few of those. We have other men who who had a really bad experience with their fathers, either had no father or really sort of a mongrel of a father, and they want to redeem that by giving back to a boy what they didn't get. So it's a wide range of motivation. Because, yes, it it does appear to be some very stringent testing, which I I guess is essential, and I guess the parents who provide their children to you for this mentoring uh, 
can rely on it. But uh, I, I just thought it would be a real achievement even to just get through and be accredited as a mentor under your program. Well, we do intensive screening because the boys are young. The young, some of them are as young as six, and so technically they're vulnerable. Uh, but the main reason I, I wanted to sort of put men with these boys and trust them. You know, we absolutely trust our mental stand right behind them. If anybody looks at the sideways, we're right beside our guys. And so, I mean, I think like a bloke. I think, well, how can I know I can trust the bloke? I really check him out. Mm-hmm. So we used some um, pretty good psychological tools to really explore the background of a man right from his childhood all the way through, uh, reference that against, you know, sort of negative backgrounds that will produce child abusers and people like that. Uh, 95% of the guys we interview become mentors. We don't say no to a lot. Mm. Uh, but that, uh, what came out of that is that, uh, for this book, is that we've interviewed about 650 men right back into their childhoods. These are really deep interviews and mm. what happened there and how they evolved as men. And that gave us a rich resource of stories and narratives about boys growing into men. A fantastic resource. Yeah, the trajectory of their lives, it kind of showed us over time. We could look back and go, how did they develop? What what, what went right? What went wrong? Yeah. So a little thing you'd spot, and we talk about in the book, is praise. We're very careful about using authentic praise, you know. And the number of men I've interviewed who, who just, and you say, you might say, what more would you want of your father? They'd say, time and praise. I just wanted mm-hmm. him to acknowledge me. And it didn't, and it sort of stuffed them up. And they, everyone heals one way or another, but it made their journey into manhood a lot tougher. Simply the fact that their father didn't even bother to spend the time or praise them. So that was useful stuff, and, and it's real stuff from real people's minds. And we're not we're not talking about bollock praise, like you're awesome. We think that mm. word should be banned. We <laughs> hate awesome. <laughs> um, I was going to say you two are awesome, but I won't say it now. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> no, we're not awesome either. <laughs> We've made plenty of mistakes. Yeah. So, yeah, we talk about authentic praise um, because the trick, the, not the trick, the the trap of using awesome, which is like, you're awesome, you could be the president of this or the prime minister or whatever. It's just bollocks. It's not going to happen, and it just sets boys up for failure. And um, But if you say to a boy, a 13-year-old boy, hey, that hair looks amazing. He spent probably two hours, he never told anybody else, getting their hair just right so the girls will notice. And just that one thing, or what we advise, is just that little nod back of the head and the eyebrows raised if you look at that boy caught that fish or whatever. I've seen boys walking on air for a week just after one mm. big backward nod and eyebrow raised from their big buddy. Yeah. So we talk about the importance of that and that came out of all those stories of interviews of men we've done. Yeah, see, uh, the, you've distilled the all the, the wisdom and the advice in, in this book, which is uh, which is fantastic. And you've divided the book up into the different age groups. So you've got 1 to 4, 4 to 7, 8 to 11, 12 to 17, and then 18 plus. Do you see the role of dads as important in the first three years of a, of a young boy? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we see that the role really kicks in strongly around about 6 or 7. But in that first three years, that's when the real bonding happens. We strongly advise that men should be at the birth. And that first three years is when the boy needs to know 
that's Dad, he's the anchor here. And around about six or seven is when the boys are really waking up because he's a boy, he's male. And as we say in the book, that's about the time Dad needs to say, welcome to the man tribe, you're one of me, and the boy's going to be... His radar will be on his dad, oh, this is what man is. But it's all those early bonding experiences that men can have with their children, um, and we give lots of really practical things about how they can do that. You know, the types of games that you play, even things like, you know, incorporating your baby into your exercise routine, like doing push-ups with them lying underneath you. And, you know, there's all sorts of things, ways that men can connect with their babies that will be the kind of foundation when that boy does look to him and go, mm, man tribe, okay. Yeah. It's the foundation. Because the baby in the womb knows, knows his dad's voice. They respond to it. Mothers will tell us that. They, they know their dad's around. It starts early. Yeah, it's a very important point. We're going to take a short break now, and our guests today, Richard Aston and Ruth Kerr. Ruth has picked a song for us. So, Ruth, could you tell us which song you picked and why you picked it? Yeah, I chose David Bowie's Coop because I love the song. Um, he wrote it for his newborn son. And I, I just I love the whole idea about um, a child being born into a lover's story that the parents that their big love is going to hold this child and that each child comes in as an individual and that it can be a really kooky ride, (laughs) as our children found out. (laughs) Okay, this is Kooks by David Bowie. Will you stay in a lover's story? Stay, you won't be sorry Cause we believe in you Soon you'll grow So take a chance With a couple of kooks Hung up on romancing Will you stay in a lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry Cause we believe in you Soon you'll grow So take a chance with a couple of kooks Hung up on romancing We bought a lot of things to keep you warm and dry And a funny old crib on which the paint won't dry I bought you a pair of shoes A trumpet you can blow And a book of rules what to say to people when they pick on you Cause if you stay with us you're gonna be pretty cooky too Will you stay in a lover's story? If you stay you won't be sorry Cause we believe in you Soon you'll grow so take a chance With a couple of kooks hung up on romancing They messed up this old fool Don't pick fights with the bullies or the cats Cause I'm not much cop at punching other people's dads And if the homework brings you down Then we'll throw it on the fire and take the car downtown Will you stay in the lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry 
And that was Kooks by David Bowie. And we're speaking today with Richard Aston and Ruth Kerr, who are the authors of a new book, Our Boys, Raising Strong, Happy Sons from Boyhood to Manhood. Now, you speak uh, about a, an important issue in the book about maleness being caught, not taught. But do you think the dads have to see themselves, do they have to feel that they are perfect in order to pass on this um, this maleness? Absolutely not. What happens is that I think at a very primal level, boys are trying to get a sense of what maleness is, and it starts pretty young. And uh, so what we advise is that be yourself. This is to your dads. Be yourself, but don't pretend to be anything. Don't pretend to be a perfect dad. Don't pretend to be a perfect man. Be who you are. Be honest about it. And your boy's going to get a strong reference point. He's going to be, when we say caught, he's catching this maleness. But as he grows up and crosses over into manhood around between 14 and 18 he's an individual he's going to make his own sense of what it means to be a man and you you, you as the dad were the anchor point you, you as a dad you might be a little bit homophobic or a little bit sort of wrong rugby team or whatever it doesn't matter he, he's got a sense okay that's, that's one form of being a man from that what sort of man do I want to become so he answers that question but without that foundation where does he find out any reference point to be a man at a real sort of emotional level? So what we're saying is dads be there and there's practical stuff that on top of that boys need from their dads. It's usually around risk, playing with risk, rough play. Dads are usually, and the general rule, and lots of mums can do this as well, but dads are usually quite good at doing rough play, willing to go there because they're being boys themselves. What a father's going to teach his boy by uh, rough play and sort of climbing trees and doing all the adventurous stuff that boys are desperate for is how to manage risks. So later on, when he's 16 and jumps into that hotted up Mazda, he knows about risks because he, he may have had a few scratches and bruises. So a few scratches and bruises are really good learning things for boys. And for mums, you know, that thing of just... Uh, learning to step back as Celia Lashley, who we dedicated the book to, you know, she talks about, you know, getting off the bridge. Mums need to get off the bridge, and, and we concur with that, that there needs to be a stepping back. I mean, you're still alongsiding. There's no, you know, your love isn't lessened in any way um, or the relationship, but there is a kind of a stepping back to allow that boy to walk across that bridge into manhood. We're talking about the bridge of adolescence from about 13 up is when the father really kicks in. You know, that's why it's important to have that bonded relationship. It's a wild ride for boys these days into adolescence. It's not pre-prescribed. There's a lot of decisions for them to make. And mum needs to step back. It's a hard one for mothers. And she can't step back if there isn't a man there alongside the boy to guide him over that process of demanding. And in fact, she shouldn't step back if there isn't that man there. She needs to be there and she'll, she'll, she'll guide him as best she can across it. Yeah. Yes, you mentioned Celia Lashley, who unfortunately died in February 2015. 
But for listeners, uh, we have interviewed Celia on this program and you'd be able to find her on our website, dadsontheair.com.au. Do you uh, support uh, Richard and Ruth, uh, some sort of uh, initiation for, for boys becoming men? We, we reference it because just to get people to know that there is a point, used to be about 13 and 14, where the boy's making a substantial shift and parents might see the symptoms of that and go, there's something wrong with him. He's suddenly changed, he's suddenly angry, he's suddenly this. And we're saying, stepping back and saying, no, your boy's about to walk through another door into manhood and it's not an easy door. And lots of traditional societies have recognised that and they have an initiation process. Usually the boy's taken out um, with men and, and back in again. Um, so in the modern day, it's up to us to distill that into what does that mean? So it means practical things like that boy needs to spend more time with men, basically. And that's the time when his dad's going to start introducing him to his dad's mates, you know. And in real terms, it's just, just basic stuff like going to a football game or something together. But but he needs to be introduced into the world of men and make that step. And as Celia says, you know, his mum's just backing off a bit at that stage. Mm. I, you know, I don't personally think we need full-blown initiation rights in this day and age. There is some good modern stuff around, but mm. I'd be cautious about which ones you choose. You distinguish between self-worth and self-esteem. Perhaps you could tell us which you think the boys should strive for and what the difference is between those two concepts. Self-esteem, as I see it, is basically saying this is what you could be. It's what you want the world to see you as. And then you can get caught up in your own ego and the selfie culture uh, of self-esteem. Self-worth is basically the message is this is who I am not who I might be or who I should be or what I'm aspiring to. This is deeply who I am. I'm this person, whatever. Of all those stories, all those men, they just wanted someone to acknowledge who they actually were. It's a great tension to say to a boy, and I've heard it, you know, like, so your dad's a famous rugby player, you're going to be the rugby player, and every time he does well at rugby, pumps him up, and you find out... I wanted to be a dancer. He wanted to be a dancer. And so he's going to grow up messed up, basically because what he needed was a, uh, a sense of self-worth, says, this is who I am, I'm, I'm, I like dancing, actually. And that's the, the hardest thing for parents to come to terms with, is being who your boy actually is as he's growing. You'll see the archetype of how he's growing, what's emerging in him, and, and honouring that, praising that. And that, that develops self-worth, a sense of I am, who I am is okay. The basic stuff that will build confidence, the ability to sort of uh, find your own way in the world without constantly about comparing yourself with others. A lot of these things seem to tie in the uh, initiation, the, uh, the, the risk of bullying, this self-esteem, self-worth. This is a role for parents as well as for your mentors, I guess, and uh, a lot of your advice, is it, is it also directed at intact families as well as the, uh, the, the families where father isn't, isn't there? Oh, absolutely, because I think that um, that, that ch- challenge around self-reflecting, which is what, you know, we came out of, we sort of stumbled our way through the first, I don't know how many years of parenting until we, you know, learned more about human development and stop personalising our children's behaviours and that ability to self-reflect and to know who you are 
so that when you when you're parenting and you make mistakes that you have the the emotional maturity and intelligence to be able to say mm, I've stuffed up here this is not I didn't get that right and to be able to go back to your children and say yep you know what that was wrong and to apologize and learn from your mistakes and so I think it's the book is very much directed at all parents because that's a challenge not just to solo parents in fatherless boy situations, that's a challenge to all of us. And the, and the other part of that, so you imagine a boy hearing his parents say that, authentically saying, the way I yelled at you last night and called you a grubby little shit, that, that's just not on. You know, I apologise for that, but your behaviour was really in the way. Let's talk about that. That boy's learning, oh... This is how an adult operates in the world. You know, we stuff up and we apologise and we move on. Mm. So it's a great way of modelling how, how to live a really healthy human life as well. Yes, you can turn it into a learning experience. Unfortunately, we've reached the end of the program, but uh, Richard, you picked a song for us. I wonder if you could tell us which one and why you picked it. Eric Clapton, My Father's Eyes. And I picked that because it's actually about the death of his son, but the main point of the story is, uh, is, and we talk about it in this book, you know, I mean, there's a bloodline of fathers, so there's a son, a father, his father, so you're raising your own son and you start reflecting on your own father and how he raised you. It's all a connected link of father and it goes back in time. And he refers to that, you know, as he sees his new son, he says, how do I teach him? What do I do? And, and then he, he says, that's when I need my father's eyes. So he he wants he's being a father and he needs to feel his own father behind him as he grows into fathering. The lovely kind of expression is quite poignant uh, about how fathers need to be conscious of their own fathers, their own heritage of fathering behind them to help them become a good father. <laughs>
was My Father's Eyes by Eric Clapton. And we've been speaking today with Richard Aston, who is the founding trustee and chief executive, and Ruth Kerr, who's the media coordinator of Big Buddy and authors of the new book, Our Boys Raising Strong, Happy Sons from Boyhood to Manhood. Richard and Ruth, you're doing a wonderful job in New Zealand, and uh, we salute you for that, the wonderful work you're doing with the young boys. Thank you very much for being on the program. Thank you for having us, Phil. Yeah, thank you, Bill. It's great talking to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, don't forget, we'll be back next week with another program on Dads on the Air. And if you'd like to listen to this program again or any of our shows, you can go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au, or you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And so until next week, that's it for Dads on the Air. <laughs>